Due to an earlier incident, it is now later. Let me tell you the good news first. Two days ago, I went with Bradley to film a commercial for the LA County Humane Society. He was going to take Dakota, but she's allergic to nonprofits. Bradley wore his happy beagle tie, the one we were instructed to buy and give him on Father's Day, saying it was from his dog, Pimsy, who is not a beagle, but identifies as one. He did such a fantastic job. I can't wait for the commercial to air. The Humane Society crew had some cue cards written up, but once Bradley got there, he was inspired. Distracted by the dogs, he refused to read the lines, and instead rolled on the floor with the dogs while demanding the staff scratch all their tummies, including his own. It was both democratic and humiliating. But what quality art isn't humiliating? He sat there with each dog as they made sad faces at the camera. Finally, he posed back-to-back -back with Mellow Yellow, the retriever, and they both did their best howl along to that Sarah McLaughlin song. Yeah, you know the one. Mom, Josephine, Lizzie, I'm sorry I mentioned it. Please stop crying. The whole shoot was supposed to take no longer than two hours, but we were there for 16. Bradley had to miss a hair and parole appointment. That caused me a lot of anxiety, but it was worth it. At the end, Bradley refused to take payment, but allowed the society to compensate him in dogs. They offered him five, but he only accepted three, because he didn't want to take their whole cause away. The new dogs are Harold, an earless pitbull, Vanilla, an albino chihuahua who can't go outside and needs sunscreen that costs $500 an ounce, and Lucky, a pygmy mastiff with a small drooling problem. Despite his recent criminal charges, the LA Humane Society is seriously considering making Bradley their spokesperson, partially because of his unbridled, occasionally dangerous enthusiasm. And because, when they're negotiating a contract, he has to strike the compensation amount and replace it with pure joy and the love of dogs everywhere. Both things Bradley already has, which is good, because they're mostly intangible. And I can't imagine any judge holding a non-profit responsible for securing the love of dogs everywhere. Aren't I lucky to work for someone with such a big heart? I do have some bad, well, maybe disconcerting news. But there is such a positive response to my 10 money-saving hygiene tips. I wanted to continue with my money-saving initiative first. Here's a response. Cousin Tina, the one on Dad's side, writes, Your Uncle Sonny sure needs some help, but that tip about using your roommate's razor will sure help me. I'm so glad, Tina. And I'm sure Uncle Sonny is too. Not really sure where he's gone off to. Not that that's necessarily a negative. Or has anything to do with drugs or crimes. Uncle Tony writes, Sonny got that tactic of getting other people in the laundromat to wash a pair of pants or shirt with their stuff from me. You can get a whole load of laundry done for free that way. Especially if you're getting all sweaty working out in the gym. Give credit where credit is due. Copyright in fragment. For emphasis slash reference. That was in all caps, except for the first letter in each sentence. Without further ado, installment number two. How to save money when you work for a highly profitable company that doesn't pay you very much. Now, I know a lot of you have this problem. It's just the economy today. Workers, even professionals, who may assist a famous, well-paid, sexually ranked celebrity, may receive barely more than living wage, or barely less depending on medical expenses incurred on the job. Some might say they're exploited because there are so few jobs now, now here are 13 ethical ways to save your personal cash at work. Number 1. Take sponge baths in the office sink. 
I estimate that if you sponge bathe every day, you can skip two out of every ten baths. Schedule meetings during lunch. Then they have to buy you a meal. Order more than you need and take home the leftovers. Take other people's food when they're not looking and pretend that they ate it. Number three. Wait in the lunchroom after meetings. That's where they put leftover food. Number four. Arrange a baking contest for which you are the judge. I may have already done this one. Give out a certificate printed on the office printer. If the office starts to charge you five cents a page, offer winners bragging rights. Number five. Do an office fundraiser. Take up a charity collection, but keep 20% of the money for yourself. Professional fundraisers do the same thing. Number six. Pump soap from the bathroom into a plastic baggie. Paper towels are for the taking, too. Number seven. If they get the windows redone, tell the construction company that you'd like to take the old ones. They can be sold for a profit, used for extra insulation, a mirror, or to build a shelter. Number eight. Have a housewarming party and invite the managers, even if you've lived in your apartment for a while already. They don't know or care. They bring expensive gifts and leave expensive booze. Number nine, company t-shirts. Number ten, take coats from the coat collection dropped downstairs. They are for the indigent. Eleven, free coffee? Just drink the milk. Number twelve, charge your cell phone at your desk. Who doesn't already do that? Number thirteen, take all the pens from the mailroom and make your coworkers give you a dollar deposit if they want to use one for the day. If they bring it back, insist it's a different pen and that they're trying to get one over on you. Try to write in wax paper with it. It won't. Say they use up the pen. Dollar's yours. Not that I've done any of these things, or am considering them. So you shouldn't worry, or threaten to take out a third mortgage on your home. Mom emailed me yesterday saying that everyone, except Uncle Sal, who, since the accident, communicates only through fire, thinks my podcast is a great form for family communication. She thought it would be fantastic if I could relay some news for everyone. Cousin Valerie, on Dad's side, is three months pregnant with her second child. Congrats, Val. I'm sure he'll be better than your first. Cousin Michael, the youngest one from Mom's side, I've never met him, but we always get Christmas cards from his family, is engaged to his probation officer. He's been in jail just like my brother Michael. Hey, I wonder if that name's cursed, or if they're the same person. That was the case with Grandpa and Santa. Aunt Lucy would like everyone to know that her sister, Maddie, is a dirty slut who slept with Lucy's husband and brother-in-law. What? Aunt Lucy would like everyone to know that her four-year-old walked in on Maddie and Carl totally nude, dancing a very intimate version of the hustle on the family bed. Maddie, in her childless single allergic to cats and dogs and probably post-menopausal state, will no longer be welcome at Lucy's for Thanksgiving or Christmas, and Lucy will freeze her out on Easter and any other holiday still held at their aging mothers. Everyone would do well to follow Lucy's example. Lucy and Carl are going to try to work things out for their kids. Well, mostly for themselves, but also the kids. Okay, let's move on to some questions. Mom forwarded me a couple of ethical and personal questions. Hopefully more pre-screened than the news. Cousin Susie asks, what's the best way to get wine vomit off of the carpet? I guess Uncle Sonny's been to Susie's too. 
I'm no expert, but I use baking soda, seltzer, and a firm scrub brush. And, well, I don't have a scrub brush. So was actually my roommate Colin's pet hedgehog, Swifty. I don't think it's animal abuse. Swifty gets kind of lonely sometimes. I think he enjoyed it. It worked both times. This was on taupe. Kind of a cream area rug. So it wouldn't have been the biggest tragedy if I couldn't salvage the carpet, but it worked. I did it as soon as I found the vomit in the morning. It was probably sitting there for a few hours. In retrospect, I guess it could have been blood. But they both have hemoglobin. And neither require an ambulance for the unconscious middle-aged man on the floor, right? Uncle Tommy wants to know how to tell his family that he's an atheist. Uh, well, there you go. But if this weren't the case, I'd recommend very carefully and don't tell Grandma. She has a special atheist stick. It has spikes on it to remind you of the crown of thorns Jesus suffered through when he died for our sins. Her emphasis, not mine. Aunt Helene says, New Jersey? More like Boo Jersey! Go Rangers! I made that up. I wanted to catch on. Please say it on your podcast. Well, okay, not really a question. And that could be offensive to Dakota, who is from the Garden State. Depending on how much she already doesn't like you, and whether she's looking for a reason to pick a fight. Oh wait, here's Aunt Helene's question. A little further down. After a picture of her in what must be $1,900 worth of Rangers gear and a burning mannequin dressed in a New Jersey Devil jersey, how do I end my marriage with your Uncle Bobby? Whoa! Who okay, people? I am not your bad news bear. Someone needs to pre-screen these better, Mom. It's not my fault that I talk faster than I read. We also had some questions for Dakota. Everyone was excited after she participated in the baking contest. She was going to practice singing in the bathroom tonight, but I bribed her to my apartment with cheese puffs. She brought her own wine, but don't worry. I'm not broadcasting while intoxicated. I am your designated broadcaster. Okay, first one. Have you ever eaten bacon and or prosciutto? Uh, This is from Cousin Sal. Prosciutto. That's how you say it. Yeah, but why would they want to know that? Well, because you're Jewish, right? Oh, right. Yeah, I eat loads of bacon. Covered in cheese, fried in a perfect ball. That's actually what I had for breakfast this morning. And I brought the other half pound for lunch. Just in case Allison got to pick lunch again. She always picks, what a vegan, or vegan do it. I order something anyway. And then I take my bacon cheese lunch mound and I drop it on top letting the cheesy grease violate the dry peas and broccoli. I think the vegan chefs and restaurant owners can sense what I'm doing from where they are, like a Jedi mind trick. It clogs their arteries a little every time. (laughs) I don't think that's how Jedi mind tricks work. Or arteries. Of course, the first time I had bacon was at the dining hall in college. They had it every morning, but it was a month before I could bring myself to taste it. Not because of a moral quandary, but because I was sure someone would point at me, or or my nose, and say, She's not supposed to be eating bacon. She's Jewish. Her family keeps kosher. I've seen it! But when I tried it, I was sure it was the food of the gods, forbidden ambrosia, and I felt reborn. Like my previous life had been a lie, or I'd been asleep. I also enjoy ham. 
You might say that the amount of bacon I consume now is unhealthy, but I'm just making up for lost time. And it works with the Atkins diet. I feel like I know you a little better now, Dakota. And I'm also slightly disgusted by you, but not that much. Hey, check your bacon privilege. Someone has had access to bacon his whole life. True fact, the first time I ever had bacon, I was 14. Oh? Sunday was always bacon day. Highly anticipated, and Mom used to cook a pound, which is technically enough for a family of nine to have two slices each. Slightly below the three-slice norm, but still adequate. This, of course, didn't work in practice, since one of my brothers would always hold me down or fold me into a pull-out bed and eat my slices, usually rolled up in my pancakes like a pig in a deliciously cakey blanket. Or so I was told. Thinking about it now, they must have cooperated or rotated, or cut them in four while passing wind into my face. Several times we went out to breakfast, and I tried ordering a side of bacon, but that always went down the same way. So I gave up. Why did those diners have to have pull-out beds? One time they made me eat crayons while they enjoyed my bacon. Mom got really mad when I vomited rainbow on my pillow. It took me hiring someone from school to beat up Grandpa with his own cane in front of the building to finally break the cycle. Wait, what? I screamed from the window that Grandpa was getting his ass bashed in by a fat middle schooler, and everyone went running. When they all rushed outside to help Grandpa, I ran over to the electric frying pan and stuffed every slice of bacon into my face. Totally worth the blisters and burns on the roof of my mouth. I quickly brushed my teeth and everyone blamed it on bacon thieves. Those asshole neighbors who smelled bacon and entered the empty apartment. You see, it was a victimless crime. Everyone already hated the neighbors for their constant screaming and obviously running a noisy meth business. Joe, what the hell? You got your grandpa beaten up? Couldn't you have just stolen money from your mom's purse? Look, with seven kids, do you think my mom kept money in her purse? Or her purse in a disclosed location? She kept a decoy bag filled with dog shit in a safe under her bed. The combination was her birthday. It was too obvious. Besides, the neglected old man enjoyed the attention. And he loves being in the hospital and hating on young people. I basically did him a favor. Okay, you know what, Joe? Let's move on. Second question. Are you and Joe an item? I need someone to give Grandma's ring to before I die. This is from other cousin Sal. I don't think Joe's... Um interested, you know, in that way. I mean, I like coming over to his apartment and eating marshmallows and cheese doodles and scrapbooking Christian Bale photos, but that's probably not going to happen. I'll take the ring if you don't need it. Unless it's a Nuva ring, then, then I'm set. Alright, last question, because I need to resume stuffing my face and listening to Joe gush over his boss. Um, in a totally appropriate and healthy way. Dakota, the East Coast is great the absolute epicenter of American culture. Don't you miss the Garden State? That's from Cousin Joseph. Would you miss a festering stink pit? Would you miss shoveling snow? Would you miss alternate side of the street parking? I think not. Thank you, Dakota. Well, I hate to end on bad news, but maybe this cloud has a silver lining. As you well know from the flyers, posters, and commemorative plates I've been sending you, Bradley's new film, Cheers for Tears, came out last week. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a teen movie with a dramatic twist. A down-and-out college basketball coach who's lost his job due to budget constraints takes the only job he can find, coaching an inner-city cheerleading team. 
He bonds with the students, inspires them, takes away their drugs, and settles into his new life. But things take a turn for the illegal when he falls in love with a precocious junior on his team. Bradley, in his own personal brilliance, completely unaided and unendorsed by the studio, arranged a publicity stunt. He paid 19-year-old stage actress Maria Lawson to frolic around town with him in a hoodie and a miniskirt, and say things like, Oh, but I have to get home by curfew. Don't you know I'm underage? And, I'm only 16 years old. I'm not ready to do it more than three times a day. It was clearly performance art, but apparently some people called the police. A cop came to the scene, and after hearing Maria exclaim that she traded her statutory virginity for Twinkies in a 3DS, unceremoniously threw the 14th sexiest man alive in jail. The gall. The jealousy. The conspiracy. The lack of fact-checking. Maria was brought in for questioning immediately. Well, after she spent an hour with the truancy officer, after unsuccessfully extorting a bribe, the whole publicity stunt was clearly documented in a contract written on a Denny's napkin. She immediately produced her ID, proving that she was 19. Unfortunately, due to a clerical error, and probably the officer being an Allison and not a Bradley fan, Bradley remained in jail for a full night. How horrible. How unfair. Pigs! Sorry. <clears throat> What's worse, Bradley was not permitted to pee or shower for 12 hours. Methinks they were afraid that someone would snap a cell phone picture and they get sued. Pigs! I can hardly stand thinking about it. Wanting our darling Bradley to be as filthy as they were, where's the justice? Unfortunately, I had my first ever DJing gig and was out for the night. I wish someone had called me, because I would have left that party immediately, hopped on my motor scooter, and tried to help Bradley get out. Dakota is here to comment. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Bradley was putting his face between the bars and sticking his hand out dramatically and saying, I suffer for my art. Whenever a cop walked by, he would go wide-eyed, point, and say, Justice will prevail! Eventually, he started rolling on the floor and moaning, which he actually does a lot at home when he's not getting his way. A couple of cops came by and asked for his autograph. His lawyer tried to talk to the police, and they made him wait a long time. It was a while before we could get Bradley out. In the end, he got a full apology and a six-car police escort. But still, what can I say? He's a man easily scarred for life. I've spent a few nights in jail. <laughs> Not that I remember them. It was uh, more for my own safety, anyway. Thank you, Dakota. Bravely risking his own image as one of the handsomest living creatures, Bradley has gone on a shower strike. Because of the way the police treated him, Bradley refuses to shower or wash his hands after using the bathroom until he gets the key to the city and a 21-gun salute. He figured that, while he's at it, he might as well add some more causes, because he might get a few victories. Reasons include equality for all dogs, love for all dogs, at one point he wanted red bedsheets instead of blue ones, and then he was striking because Allison's lunch came earlier than his lunch. As of this afternoon, he was striking because Allison's shrimp cocktail came with one more shrimp, and he wanted her fries even though he's on a low-carb diet. So far, he's successfully gotten the blue sheets, and Allison's fries, but not her extra shrimp. Bradley realized his delicate pores could never create a stink offensive enough to make his voice heard. So he began dousing himself in spoiled milk, rubbing onions under his arms, and then chopping up said onions and placing them in his pockets and sensitive crevices. Bradley does not do anything by halves, and let me tell you he's rancid, but admirably so. 
Allison actually had to leave the set to throw up twice this morning. In Bradley's defense, we think she might be either pregnant or bulimic again. An onslaught of donut-eating signals either. The producers have made a special effort to censor all shower-related publicity and remove any references to Bradley's filth. Guests are seated a good five feet away from him, and industrial-strength air fresheners are all around the perimeter. Anytime Bradley tries to talk about the strike, or if Allison gets sick, they go to a commercial or bring an ensemble petting zoo on stage. When asked why Bradley couldn't talk about his bathing hiatus on the show, management stated, and I quote, Viewers could think he's a filthy, crazy person. How could anyone think that? Updates as Bradley's protest grows in foulness. Unless he accidentally forgets and takes a shower. Or has to do another breathment commercial. Until next time, family. Until then, support Bradley. Equality for all dogs. Hey, do you think he means equality amongst other dogs, or dogs achieving equality with humans? You gotta be clear with your aims. Otherwise, you just end up with everyone giving their St. Bernards and Havanese the same number of treats, and the same size toys. Oh, you do realize you just told everyone that you hired someone to assault your grandpa? Oh, I know. Do you maybe want to cut that? Nah, once grandma threw out grandpa's favorite jacket because it was filled with holes and covered in turkey gravy. They made it through that. Uh... Oh, and once my aunt burned all my uncle's birthday gifts in a bonfire in front of everyone at his 50th birthday party. Nobody really got involved. That's just how it goes. Maybe that's a kink of theirs. Or maybe everyone's afraid of your aunt because she's insane. And we'll burn their birthday presents too? Or smash your pumpkins on Halloween? We need to work on your sense of scale. And maybe your problem-solving skills too. The Fearsome Morning Podcast is sponsored in part by Vegan Do It Restaurant, in partnership with Yes Vegan. We know it's a dated joke, but it seemed like a great idea in 2008. And they can't change it now, not after all those four-star Yelp reviews. The Fearsome Morning Podcast is brought to you by my life up until this point. Oh, what have I done? Joe was Thomas Josephs, and Dakota West was the artist formerly known as Dakota West because she was sued for pretending to be a relative of Kanye. Kanye has good lawyers. If you'd like to get in touch with us, or just have nothing to do but feel like typing, visit us at http colon slash slash www.fearsomemorning.com We can't legally promise you won't regret it.